This is the Car Dealer Podcast driven by CarGurus. You want the best return for your advertising budgets and CarGurus Piston Heads are focused on the same goal. With them, you have access to millions of monthly shoppers across both sites. Connect with in-market high-quality buyers today and turbocharge your digital forecourt. For more information, visit dealerpackages.cargurus.co.uk and schedule a demo with their team. That's dealerpackages.cargurus.co.uk and tell them we sent you. Welcome back to the Car Dealer Podcast. If you haven't listened before, we pick our favourite stories of the week and ask an industry guest to choose which were the best. I'm John Ray, and joining me this week is a man whose name strikes fear into press offices around the UK. It is, of course, editor of Car Dealer Magazine, James Baggett. That was dramatic. Thanks, John. I mean, they're getting more dramatic as the weeks go on, aren't they, these intros? Yeah, I'll, I'll prepare some music next week. Yeah, not unlike, like I tried to do before and it never worked. Maybe you would get it right because you're a tech supremo. Thank you. Very kind. Anyway, so uh, how are you, James? I'm fine, thanks. I've um, had a week basically staring out of my uh, home office prison uh, <laughs> box, uh, staring at builders who are smashing up my house outside. So if you hear some shouts, that's not me. That is the builders. It got so bad that I watched them that I had to go down and just help them yesterday. So I sat there and ended up being the uh, the bricklaying apprentice. Uh, they gave me some bricks and they asked me to clean them. And I actually thought it was one of those tests, you know, where <laughs> you give the apprentice the joke, go and get some tartan paint or something. So can you clean these bricks, James? Uh, and I diligently did it in the rain for them uh, instead of writing stories. So sorry about that. <laughs> okay, right. If anyone knows why you should clean bricks, please write in because I'm... Completely flummoxed by that, particularly in the rain. But they're very clean now. So <clears throat> I'm sure they are. I'm sure a they su- are. A successful week. Anyway, how are you, John? <clears throat> I'm very well. I'm very well. Um, it's been a relatively quiet week for news, I want to say, but quite busy on our website, hasn't it? Yes. It's been, yeah, it has been. And now you've said that, something's massive is going to kick off, isn't it? Probably yes. while we're on the podcast. Inevitably. Yeah. Uh, but yes, nothing, nothing much exciting happening here um excellent great, great start to the podcast isn't it <laughs> i'll move us swiftly on and Please do. our guest uh joining us this week is dermot kelleher the from the financial management app money guided hello dermot lovely to have you on hey john hey james yeah thank you so much for having me nice to, oh, see, you, lovely to see you dermot um so i'm many of our listeners i'm sure will know you from your previous slightly more motoring infused role at eBay Motors Group. Um, do you want to give us a bit of an overview of, of Money Guided? Yeah, sure. So after 12 very happy years at Motors and eBay Motors Group, I made a big move away about a year ago to do something quite different, which was to join a really exciting fintech business, uh, Money Guided. It's a financial management app founded by a friend of mine from university uh, who actually wanted to use some of the principles of his uh, his former career in wealth management, looking after the, you know, the high net worth individuals uh, and, and take some of the principles from, from, from that world uh, to create something that could give everyone or many, many, many more people the guidance and tools to make better financial decisions, ultimately driven by a couple of insights, which is people in the UK are generally not great at managing their finances, like even the ones that are good with, good in terms of their you know, chosen career path. 
Most mm. people's personal financial plan is just to get better at the job that they're doing without ever sort of, you know, really engaging with a professional. And I, and I think that's the second, the second kind of insight, which is the cost of professional support for your personal finances is, is really high and, and very few people have access to it uh, when that, when they really need it. And uh, Charlie and Benny, the two founders of Money Guided, you know, they, they've created uh, something that, that allows them to kind of almost digitally do what they used to do in their, in their former life. So, um, you know, the app itself is about um, helping people get more control of their incoming and their outgoings, staying on top of their financial life. You know, how many how many current accounts and credit cards and insurance policies and pensions and all that type of stuff. Like it's, it's about trying to pull that stuff into one place. At least you can then understand where you are. And once you understand where you are, you can start um, planning for where next. You know, and, and I think that's that's sort of uh, something that I've uh, I've been helping um, ben and Charlie with the the kind of marketing sales effort really um, our route to market is via employers so I've spent a lot of time talking to HR teams about their challenges and their priorities like cost of living you know how can they effectively support people at this time you know it's definitely about how to also create benefits that are meaningful to employees or, or, or in fact you know future employees as well as current employees so how do you how do you compete for the best people and skills? You need really good pack, uh, benefits packages. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely, the crossover between financial health and mental health is is so significant that again, part of our proposition is if you feel better in this area, really important area of your life, it probably has an impact on your mental health, which in turn, actually being slightly more cold hearted from an employer's point of view. If you're less distracted, you're going to be more engaged at work, and ultimately, this is then fueling productivity. So it's all a bit of a mouthful, but that's the that that's kind of what I've uh, I've gone on to do. So, how does this fit into motoring, Jeremy? You've I mean, you've clearly had such a such a vast experience in the motor industry, and now you're now you're on this kind of personal finance side of things. You must have, there there must be some correlations. I mean, firstly, I mean, are you talking to the HR teams of any any car dealer groups about what you can do? Uh, yeah, we're speaking to a couple of uh, friendly uh, friendly friendly automotive uh, businesses. Uh, look, in in terms of the. Uh, the 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 skill set and what I do is pretty similar. It's a lot of um, uh, presentations. Uh, it's a lot of uh, you know messaging, and it's a lot of trying to distill down what is the problem that any given organization has, and how can we help solve that. Which is absolutely the same as like as a core as a core marketing role. So yeah, absolutely speaking to um, automotive businesses, but you know, absolutely if if people. Uh, would like to find out more then please do you know contact contact me uh as it'd be great to um talk to you in more detail and uh yeah it's, it's um yeah ultimately we the it's the same thing which is what is the problem how can we help solve it and what's the benefit and i guess from a from a motors point of view is how can you help people find the right thing for them at the right price from the right buyer um and and ultimately connect them with the with the person that's got the thing they want and it's not that dissimilar philosophically in terms of you know the money guided proposition which is helping put the right information in front of the right people at the right time in order for them to understand what they need to do and frankly take action so and and, and i guess on the other side the, the kind of benefit to the employer is that you get people who are happier healthier and more productive mm-hmm. it's an interesting sorry i'm interrupting james but it's, it's an interesting kind of route to route to market that going through employers because i think i think that will work not to sound condescending i think that'll work quite well because you know um 
there are employers around the country who are desperate to help their employees. Mm. James will be nodding along with this, I'm sure. Oh, yes. They're desperate to help in the financial situation that we're in. But there's you reach a point where the, you can't match inflation with wages, can you? So what can you do to help your employees who are struggling? It's This is a great example of something that you can do. Absolutely. And, and, and we, you know, we have spoken to hundreds of employers and, and being candid. There's just one that we've spoken to that are going to match, like, you know, inflationary, inflationary income. Everyone else is trying to be as generous as they can be. But they've also got stakeholders that, you know, they've got to hit their P&L at a larger level. So uh, absolutely, you know, helping people give them something uh, tangible in terms of a thing that they can engage with. It's personalized to them because people link their current accounts and their savings and their credit cards and so on. So, so everything that, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a good one stop shop for all of your financial life in one place. That is a thing that employers uh, want to want to give to their to their people so they can say, we hear that it's hard. We know it's hard. Like here's here's something that you didn't have that you now have that can mm. that, that, that that's tailored to you. So you know, I think it is uh, it, it's definitely unfortunately it's good timing from for 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 for, for a proposition like Money Guided. You know, it is it is people are looking at what they are spending and how they're spending it, and we tell this story quite a lot. But I'm old enough to you know when 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 at university you know you took thirty quid out and when you'd spent the 30 quid you had a you had a choice you either went to the cash point at which point you had a sort of cognitive right okay this is an expensive night um or you went home well now it's tap 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 mm-hmm. you kind of wake up and you kind of hope that you've stayed within your kind of you know vague budget so whilst personal finance is so much easier in so many ways setting up accounts and you know multiple you know uh current accounts and so on so it's a lot easier it's also harder to keep track of everything so like that's again from a not from an employer but from an from an individual's point of view that's one of the one of the things that we're helping to to solve to as i say bring it into one place and then you can see you can see if you're happy with it because you know no doubt everyone spends more on takeaway coffee and takeaways than they think they do uh, mm-hmm. and actually it's then like up to you really to say whether you're happy about it a bit like having a a fitness app or a diet app you, you put in where you want to be it tells you how you can get there you know calories burn calories you need to burn calories you you know need to restrict and then it's up to you whether you you you, you get there but the technology that we provided to help just makes it so much easier mine would certainly say james you have spent far too much money at starbucks this month once yeah. again yeah. probably yeah. time yeah. to have a nescafe yeah. at home yeah no, agreed and and you know i Obviously, I've known the founders of the business for for a long time, and I thought they were finally going to bring me into a room and give me the secret of wealth. I thought they were going to just <laughs> give, me the, give, me, give me the three, the three, and it's not, it doesn't exist. And like ultimately, it is exactly as you said, James. You know, your coffee spend per month might be north of 60, 70 quid, but you've got a perfectly good coffee machine at home. Mm. Um, come home, or at least come home half the time without stopping at starbucks that becomes something relatively meaningful at the end of the year like that could be 400 500 quid um then if you think about what you could do with that 500 pounds over the course of time uh you put it into uh you know a savings account or a or, or or some sort of investment vehicle 
This is not advice, by the way. This is guidance. The <laughs> <laughs> USA and, regulated, and, and then, and then, and then <laughs> that, that 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 thing that compounds over time, you know, and that's the thing that turns that seemingly relatively small amount of thirty-five quid a month or whatever you've halved mm. your coffee bill by into fifty grand over the course of twenty-five years, you know. And there's not no one that we've spoken to wouldn't want that for their future selves, you know. Yeah. True. Well, we are very interested to hear your take from afar on the uh, on the motor yeah, industry absolutely. news. But thank you for that update, Dermot. Nice to nice to hear what you're up to now. Shall Lovely. we go, John? Shall I shall we do crack the news? on. If you haven't listened before, James and I have chosen our favourite stories from the car dealer website this week. We don't know what each other has chosen, and we're going to have a chat about each story as we go through. At the end, Dermot gets to decide whose stories were the best and who is the winner. If you want to play along, you can tweet at Cardi the Mag. I don't think anyone's ever tweeted us to do with uh, uh, playing they along, have. have they? They did last week. I got a tweet from uh, uh, Richard Hollis uh, talking to me about the uh, scaffolding news that you gave of my previous uh, my, my previous um, training uh, training apprenticeship when I started out. Yeah. Well, if you'd like to play along with uh, naming things on James's CV, you can tweet at Cardi the Mag and let us know if you think we've missed anything, either in terms of stories or his qualifications. Um, I was the winner again last week, so I am going to go first. And I'm going to do something very unusual, um, which is talk about a positive kazoo story. Wow. <laughs> As we played the kazoo kazoo um so this is the news this week uh that kazoo have made some money which is i'm sure of a great uh benefit to their employees and shareholders um but this is their results for the first quarter of this year i believe so the headlines are it's made 980 pounds per car it sold which is much more like it compared to the slightly disappointing £400 of the whole of last year. Um, they're targeting £1,200 per car for this year. Apparently, they have hit that, they say, in March. So that is looking like a, a very poss possible thing. Um, as I understand it, they still have slightly made a loss for the year to date, have they not? There's still a £10 million or £11 million loss. But in general things are looking much more positive as a result of killing off a lot of um, centres and preparation sites um, and unfortunately making a lot of staff redundant. So it's looking a little bit like, oh, and that's before we talk about all the German and Italian and Spanish things and car subscriptions and so on. So it looks a little bit like Kazoo have finally got themselves into a position where they have a proper functioning uh what's the word model for their business doesn't it it does look that way it looks like they've certainly turned a, turned a bit of a corner i mean quite how long they can keep it up for will be interesting i mean as you rightly pointed out yes they're making in march 1200 pound per car they sold for the quarter averaged out that was 980 pounds compared to just 400 quid or so for the whole of last year so they're clearly making a bit more money but then that's as a result of huge cuts to their to their teams they've they've lost 1500 staff last year they've shut 15 of their customer centers down from 20 22 to just seven they've lost a lot of their um, re refurbishing sites and they've shut down business in germany italy spain car subscription business kazana has been sold 
they've lost a lot of their business that they built up when they got that massive valuation. So my point mm. on this is that there was a there was a quote in the Times today. They'd, they'd interviewed Alex Chesterman, who's never spoken to us, uh, and he'd said that he that their question was, "Will will you ever get back to the valuation that you listed at?" You know, you got to remember they've lost ninety seven percent of their share value, mm. and he said, "Well, he kind of pointed towards the fact that it was the tech in the tech business and tech uh, businesses have lost seventy to eighty percent of their value." Um, so I mean, sort of said, but not said it. He doesn't actually think they're ever going to get back to that valuation they listed at. So, which actually means lots of people have lost huge sums of money um, on on their investments in Kazoo. It's now a very very different business to what it was when it listed. The, mm. Those those that original prospectus was we're going to be selling three hundred thousand used cars across Europe. It was a far different business to what is effectively a small dealer group a small dealer group a small dealer group that that talks talks a big game so i think it's i don't think they're ever going to get back to those those valuations john but it's it's interesting to see them starting reaping some of those benefits of not spending all the money on on Mm. marketing and what the model actually is for doing that Yeah, yeah exactly so yeah, it was an interesting one, but I think that you you, you touched on it. They actually made fourteen million pound gross profit in the quarter, um, but for the year they are predicting an EBITDA loss of a hundred to one hundred and twenty million pounds. So over the year they're still going to be losing a lot of money. So how sustainable is that? They've got two hundred and fifteen million pounds in the bank at the moment. At the end of the year, they reckon they're going to have around one hundred and ten million. So mm. it's a big cash burn. Um, and that needs to be fixed. You know, at the end of the day, the heart of this business needs to make money and needs to be able to sustain the the expenses that they're spending now. It's simple business economics, isn't it? I mean, Dermot, you've got a kind of tech background, really, haven't you? I mean, Motors is tech, eBay's tech. Um, what have you made of the the rise and I won't say fall, but the the path of Kazoo thus far? I think the initial, and I don't, I wouldn't pretend to know anything about the internal strategy at Kazoo, but I think the external perception was that Kazoo were fixing a technology and an experience problem. Um, and that that's what's ultimately driven that huge valuation with misreading of what the uh, business actually did. You know, I guess akin to say Airbnb being the biggest uh, provider of accommodation without actually having to own any mm. any any property like i think there was probably an element of bubble to the that initial valuation that this was a tech solution to a tech problem and it's not it's uh, as you've said you know they, they, these are a mixture of they're an omni-channel retailer really and that is not dissimilar to the existing um you know players that you can also click and collect or you can order online and actually they have i think or that valuation has come down in line with the realities of running a a highly operationally geared business i think you know being more generous like it is really hard to grow a brand and it's really expensive and i think their level of consumer awareness is an asset to them going forward it has been expensively acquired uh, but you know they have gone from zero to you know having uh, you know, uh, something that people will consider shopping, you know, when they're next in the market and that 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 they have shortcut versus, 
you know, many, many other businesses. So um, it sounds like they the, the, the start reality of running a, an operating a business and sourcing the cars and making sure those cars are, you know, refurbed to the right standard and so on and so forth uh, has 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 um, been challenging. Um, but I, I think I, I kind of agree. I think they're they're, they're, they're clearly in a much better place now um, and, and they might have, you know, a, a, you know, continue to drive those sorts of return on the individual vehicles. And I'm, I'm sure that whilst they will have to find new funding, if they burn down that existing cash, they will be, they will, they will get that investment, um, you know, for, from the market in, in, in at, at what valuation, who knows, but um, mm. I'm sure, I'm sure that they're, 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 they have had some rough times, but I think they're probably in a, in a, in a much better place now than they were you know than they thought they would be you'd think that they, the news yesterday that was was pretty positive for kazoo stories you know compared to the the last time that we reported on kazoo news and it was a 704 million pound loss for 2022 um this was pretty pretty buoyant in in comparison but it hasn't had any effect on the share price it actually dropped yesterday nearly four percent and their market cap is now $69 million. That's £55 million. You can, you compare that to the $6 billion that they launched at, that's quite, a, that's quite a drop. So investors certainly haven't reacted positively to the news yesterday. So I think there's a, it's a wait-and-see game, isn't it? What happens next? If they can continue this and can continue making money, £1,200, remember, is, is a long way off some of the, some mm. of the figures, good dealer groups. Uh, make Swansway's Peter Smythe told us a couple of weeks back on the podcast he was making two 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 and a half thousand pounds two two thousand two hundred two and a half thousand pounds on a, on every used car he sells. That's what mm. a good dealer should be doing. So mm. let's see what happens with that one. Right? Shall I pick my story, John? Go on. Thank you. I will. Um, so this is a story by Ted Welford, and it's about the next crisis for the car industry. Can you oh. guess what it is? Uh, it's not semiconductors. No, it's not parts. No, not this financial. Time, it's not financial. This time it's water. Yes, sounds bonkers. Um, and actually, when I read the story originally, I thought this is absolute madness. Uh, but this is an interview that uh, Ted did with Wayne Griffiths, who is the chief executive of Seat and Cupra who says that he's concerned about the water shortages uh, they're seeing in Europe. They have had their driest summer last year in 500 years um, and actually very little rainfall over the winter. And lots of the governments over there in Europe are very worried about the water shortage. Uh, how does this affect the car industry? Well, actually, when they make cars, they use a huge amount of water. 4,000 litres of water are used to just make one car. So... That is going to cause a problem, says uh, says uh, Wayne. He's told us in an interview that he said, although the semiconductor situation is improving, we're going to hit the next crisis, which I think is going to be a crisis of water. Nobody has it really on their agenda, but it's been very dry in southern Europe. And he was talking to a minister for Catalonia on the situation because he was incredibly concerned. Uh, and he thinks it's going to have a big impact on, on car production. It, it must be serious. This is my thoughts on this. It must be serious if this is breaking out into the open and he's mentioned this to the press and ha mm -hmm. having a having a conversation about it. If it wasn't something that he was he was worried about, he just wouldn't say anything. And sometimes it takes one 
chief executive to say something for it to actually break out in, into the open a little bit more. And mm. this is the last thing that we need, isn't it? We just car production is just starting to get back. We reported on the website this morning that UK car production in the first quarter has improved six percent. The the semiconductor crisis is easing. It's got it's getting better. Parts are, are more readily available. So a water shortage will will cause issues. Yeah, and this is not something that is, I would imagine, easy to fix. You know, if we're talking about energy prices, you can invest as many car plants have in wind farms and solar farms and all these sorts of things, can't you? You can't really pluck water out of nowhere, unfortunately. Well, as he said, you can desalinate yes. seawater. So that is one option, but that is quite energy intensive. Indeed. So presumably the flip side of that is that you will end up with a more expensive product at the end of it if you're trying to do all these various things yeah um, i mean it's not just cars is it there's things like the tires for cars use a hell of a lot of water to produce so you can see this almost becoming a sort of the knock-on of this might be a parts issue as well because if so and so who makes all the tires or so and so who makes all the glass or whatever can't get the water then you have a similar problem even if Sayat or bw or whoever have managed to secure a decent enough supply for themselves i mean yeah there are there's still really ridiculous heat waves going on in spain right yeah. now i think aren't yes. it? 38.3 yeah. degrees or something is hit in april which is a record and i think they were anticipating it might hit 40 i don't think it has but that would be slightly insane for it to hit 40 degrees in april um, I, supp I suppose and and as try as i might there might be some glimmer of good news in this story uh and that is the fact that actually new car supply being restricted has actually played into uh, off in 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 a benefit to to car dealers because they've been selling these cars mm. full up prices the people have been happy to wait for them Ish. restricted new car <laughs> supply has actually resulted in very good results and it's kept used car prices up hasn't it so mm. i think what we don't need in this industry is for some huge supply of all the factories start churning again firing loads of product into into dealerships that they can't sell which causes a used car price crash and 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 their profits to to fall as a result so i'm trying to find a positive job yes not sure if that is one Yes, I know what you mean. The other thing I will say on a lack of water is I believe we had this issue in the the Rhine. I think I spoke about it last week, but there was an issue last year with the water levels in, uh, I think it's the Rhine. There was a, ma a major river in Germany that's used for a lot of shipping that we don't really, don't really think about on this side of the channel, do we? But it would be like the Thames sort of drying up if you imagine there's a car factory at, I don't know, in Twickenham or something like it would it would stop supply reaching uh, the rest of the world um so does, I'm sure it's going to happen in more places as well yeah and it does feel like this could play through in terms of not only higher prices for the vehicles you know manufacturers having to pass that on to the consumer but ultimately if it's been you know the driest the driest summer in 500 years that's going to have impact on food and you know wheat and so on and so forth so yeah it's a it's a glimmer of hope james but uh i think it's probably gonna unfortunately feels like it might contribute a little bit more towards that uh that sense of of of, of, of people feeling like they've got less disposable income in the pocket yeah right john over to you i'll move us on uh to hopefully a more cheery note i'm tempted to combine two stories into one here Ooh. um but I won't. Um, I'm going to talk about electric cars. Okay. Um, and 
this is uh, the latest report from CapHPI on used car prices. Overall, they've fallen 1%. They've fallen? Yes, they've fallen one fell 1% in April. I haven't had a coffee today, can you tell? I can tell, yeah. Used car prices have fallen 1% in April, but the top 10 list of cars is entirely EVs, every single one. So the biggest faller is the catchily titled Vauxhall Vivaro Life Electric, which is an electric minibus thing, 11.5% down. But effectively, every single car on this list is about roughly 10 or 8% dropped. Um and this is a month-on-month -month drop, isn't it? Yeah. So this is some of these are sort of like thirty-five percent down over um, same time last year, I believe. So quite chunky price drops um, suggested from Cap HPI there. I am going to roll in another story though, because we talk about EVs dropping in price all the time. I am going to roll in Robin Luscombe. Oh yes. Yes. Unlike most other dealers is outwardly saying, yes, we will buy your EVs. So he has sort of, he's making the prediction that, you know, EVs can't really drop that much further in price. And like the stock market or the housing market, as he puts it, at some point, you just have to commit to buy, don't you? And um, accept that hopefully this is the baseline price and things can't get much cheaper. So as far as Mr. Luscombe is concerned, now is a great time to start stocking EVs. And that's exactly what they're doing. However, of course, they are quite an EV-ready uh, dealer group, aren't they? You know, they are used to selling MG, who are predominantly EVs. So all his salespeople are very hot on EVs. And his point is, if you're going to start doing this, you really need to know what it is that you're buying. You can't wade into this. And this is true whether the prices are high or low, I'm sure. You can't just wade into this not really knowing much about EVs. You really need to get clued up um, on the situation. I can't help thinking uh, from Robin's side of things, this is actually quite a canny move because mm. he's he's got a lot of buyers that are probably coming in interested in MG4 or the MGZS EV, um, possibly having to wait a little bit for some of those cars. And he could go, well, actually, did you know that we've got these Tesla Model 3s outside on the forecourt, 25 grand? Actually, it's a little bit cheaper. You can have it now. You can drive away immediately. Some people might not realise that they can actually get these, as as Darren pointed out in in the interview, aspirational cars like a Tesla Model Three for for, for that sort of money. So mm. I think they are starting to come down to the prices where people are starting starting to pique their interest a little bit with them and and want to want to try them. So yeah, can he move? I think from from Robin Luskin. Yeah, and I mean we should say he's in quite a uh, strong position location-wise in terms of selling EVs. Okay, he's not on the outskirts of London or something, but he is an inner-city dealer, isn't he? Um, and there are people in that situation commuting to cities around Leeds and in and out of Leeds and so on who an EV is grateful. So I'm not I'm not quite sure this would be the case if he was in Hull or something like that. But, um, yeah, I think, I think the point he makes is that you have to... We've got so used to prices being solid and high for used cars over the last three years haven't we mm. that now the idea of something going down in price is a scary thought but actually that's how it day, used to work yeah, yeah it's how it used to work yeah. and we have to kind of get used to it a little bit and they might bounce back up again you don't know Dermot, have you been surprised by the, the the fall in the dramatic fall in ev prices over the last few months i mean if they really have 
dropped off a cliff, haven't they? I mean, the, the Darren Martin was telling us in that interview, this is the eighth month of drops now for EVs, he said, which adds up to 34 to 35% over that period of time. I mean, it's a huge drop, isn't it? It is. I mean, I, I have two EVs uh, and, and they do suit my lifestyle. So I'm sort of fully on board in terms of, you know, the the, the value to them. I think a couple of, couple of observations rather than kind of, you know, insights, but just observations. One of which is the vehicles in those in the, the, the list, the top 10 that have, have dropped, they're not particularly desirable EVs themselves. You know, they're, 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 they're not the, uh, they won't be the most um, uh, trendy or the ones that have those things. And as you said, in parallel, you've got the uh, people who maybe have been keeping an eye on when those more aspirational Teslas and whatever, when they start coming into the sub 30 grand or more more usually in terms of mindset, the roughly 400 pounds per month mm. uh, you know, bracket in terms of a, 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 a decent PCP. So I, I think that's probably one factor driving down some of the declines that we're seeing. The other one would be um, people observing that these are dropping and just playing a bit of a waiting game and saying, OK, well, if they keep coming down, I, I I I I will go for it. And my old friends at eBay Motors Group they 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 um they did a survey recently, and they've seen exactly that. That I think it's about um sort of north of 43 percent of people are aware that this is happening. So like there is the savvy consumer is sort of keeping an eye out and seeing that these things are are, are declining. And I think the third factor is probably like just the price of electricity. Like back in, you know, 2018, you know, EV was a really smart, savvy choice. And if you mm. were compared to the price of diesel or, or petrol, now actually people are like, wow, you know, plugging in at home, relatively efficient, and it still is probably cheaper than the equivalent for um, uh, petrol. But it was not as attractive as it was. So I think you have to view that wider household budget and the cost of the unit cost of electricity having gone up so much in 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 what two uh, eighteen months, two years. You know, it's it's. I think they're they're all playing into this uh, softening um, of 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 um, prices. We'll be right back. You want the best return from your advertising budget, and Cargurus Piston Heads are focused on the same goal. With them, you have access to millions of monthly shoppers across both sites. Connect with in-market, high-quality buyers today and turbocharge your digital forecourt. For more information, visit dealerpackages.cargurus.co.uk and schedule a demo with their team. That's dealerpackages.cargurus.co.uk and tell them we sent you. Now, let's get back to the quiz. Yeah, interesting. Right, I'm going to keep us on the t uh, subject of EVs, John, with my next story. Uh, and that is news uh, this morning uh, that the electric car charging rivals uh, that set up, uh, that have a huge network of, of charging points across the UK, 18 of them, have collaborated to come up with a new industry body called Charge UK. Uh, so this is uh, businesses like Shell and BP that run the charging infrastructure across the country, all coming together to have a single voice to speak to the government about these uh, about the charging infrastructure in the, in the country. 
The uh, founding members uh, say they're going to invest six billion in installing and operating new EV infrastructure uh, in time for the 2030 uh, ban uh, on combustion engines. They plan to install tens of thousands, they say, of new charges this year with an aim of doubling the existing network. Um, you might remember that we uh, we looked at this in, in a separate piece and found uh, that as of the end of January this year, there were just 37,000 points, charging points across the UK at just over 22,000 sites. Uh, and experts say that we actually need 300,000 public chargers in time to cope with that demand for 2030. So this is this is quite a quite a big news that these guys getting together, um, 18 of which are, are now going to be putting their, their voice across to, to, to government. I was a little bit disappointed with the announcement, though, uh, because they're some of the main things that I think really do need fixing when it comes to public charging infrastructure wasn't really mentioned. I mean, I think the main one for me is that every charging point should be tap and go. It should be you should just be able to pay with your contact contactless debit card. We've got this problem at the moment with all of them having different apps, all of them, no, none of them collaborating. You have to have hundreds of different apps on your phone it's very difficult to use john i know you've 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 moaned about it many times but i think that is one of the problems i'd i'd really like to to see them fix and i think the other thing is my biggest problem with the infrastructure in the uk is it's very hard to know whether they're broken or whether they're whether when you get there whether it's actually going to be working there's no very reliable source i know there's there's things like ZapMap, but even that isn't right up to the minute. I mean, can't these these group of 18 companies come together, create one app uh, and, and one standard format of charging for everybody uh, that would just make life easier? I mean, that's the well, sort of thing I'd like think, to see them do. I think we have to see this particular group for what it is, which is uh, they're coming together. It's, it's effectively like the, let's call it the SMMT of the charging world. Yes, yeah, you definitely. Know. Because there was a, an interview in Autocar with um, quite a few of them who sat down with Jim Holder, who uh, talks to us quite a lot about stories. Um, and <laughs> there was quite a telling quote from the, I think it was the uh, the guy that heads up Fast Ned, which is, you know, it, they were asking, Autocar were asking, how far ranging is, or how far reaching is this um, collaboration? And his point was, if my charger is sat next to uh, somebody from, I don't know, uh, BP Pulses, I'm still going to be fighting very hard for them to come to use my charge point rather than theirs. Mm. So I don't think there's necessarily an incentive to collaborate and have, let's say, one RFID card that works with everything Yeah, because people will just go to the one that is the cheapest, perhaps. So I think they, they still want to have their, much in the same way that your Tesco club, work, club, club card doesn't work in Sainsbury's, they still want to have their own individuality, don't they? I think on the contactless front, this is me going into full nerd um, EV mode now. Um, that is in legislation. It was legislated of at least a year or two years ago that all new charge points have to accept um, debit card, credit card, contactless payments. The problem is that, as you have rightly said, most that you go to don't have that or a lot don't have that because they were put in before this legislation. Mm. So what's the incentive for if I name Ionity, who are the worst defenders of this, they have no, barely any. I've never been to an Ionity one that has a debit card thing you can just tap. You have to do it through a website, which if you're in the middle of, I don't know, Cambridge Services or something, of course there's no 4G there to actually open this website and make it all work properly. Um, 
there needs to be and similarly to uh ones that don't work properly there needs to be um a little bit more incentive for these operators to go and fix them because it's all well and good saying BP Pulse, for example, that they are the largest network in the UK. But if 50% of them don't work and they have no interest in repairing them, then that's not so great. Um, I Yeah, I mean, this this kind of is like a almost like a bit of a lobbying group to try and encourage the government to do certain things, isn't it? And they do have... <laughs> They they have problems just like we have problems trying to use their systems at the end of the day. They they say the issues with the um, with EV charging in the UK as customers see it is an issue of oversubscription. So it's <laughs> there are too many people wanting to charge at the minute, and they simply can't build charge points quick enough. Either that's they can't get the actual charge points, which I think is less of a problem, as in all these you know companies that make charge points. These people just buy them in and install them, don't they? But the bigger thing is the grid connections because our grid is not designed in such a way that every part of the country where you have, might want to put 16 rapid chargers has enough power to support 16 rapid chargers. So it's then a case of liaising with the national grid and trying to get them to invest and trying to, well, presumably they help pay for that. But it's not a simple thing to do is it suddenly add add more grid um what's the word throughput or mm. uh, connections and so on and then on top of that of course we've got the usual when issue of trying to build anything in the uk which is planning permission so you would hope that with this group maybe they will get through the issues of let's say planning permission i think this is one of the things they said adds four months to every install things like planning permission and then as on top of that maybe there's a bit of pressure on the grid to invest and kind of expand and make life a bit easier for these um companies i've waffled on a lot there but i knew uh, as I, an, shouldn't, I shouldn't have got you onto the subject of ch car charging should i i mean that was a, that was a mistake on my part I am <laughs> i'll hand it over to dermot i mean how have yeah. you found it dermot are you mostly a charge at home person or are you a charge away from home as well uh, mainly charge at home i don't think i could do this. I don't think we could operate two EVs if we were if if we were both doing long long journeys. But I th I think the experience that you guys touch on is exactly right. The there is an element of apprehension around uh, approaching a um, a charging uh, station, which is is it available? Is it working? Have I got um, have I got enough connectivity to like connect mm. to the app? Can I tap and go? The other one, and this maybe goes back to your point, John, about planning is. You know, they are tacked on at most services that I've ever been to. And like the etiquette of like queuing up for. Yes. It's oh. really tense. Like, you know, it's not clear where you should wait for yeah. one. And then yes. you get this sort of almost classic. It's almost like a, a, a film scene where someone just scoots in and then there's a big, you know, ahead of the person who was queuing and you have that. That 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 all of which is real and all of which puts people off, you know. Yeah, and I, yeah. I think there are infrastructure challenges to the likes of the of the motorway service people. Sort out the queuing, sort out the Wi-Fi connectivity, you know, so that people can 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 you know get over that three G. It's slow and it you press the button and it fails like that. That that is not you know mm. it's twenty twenty three like that is not good enough, you yeah. know. Uh, and, and and yeah, that 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 etiquette thing is uh, is. Um, it, it does heighten the tension. Mm. Yes, that is the one thing the petrol stations had nailed. At least when you turn up, 
you pick a lane and you yeah. sit in it. And if people try and cut in in front of you, well, they don't. No, yeah. they don't. It's obvious that you're a bit of a dick if you've done that. Yeah. Right, John, over to you. Oh, heck. Um, right. I'm going to talk about another favourite subject of yours, James, which is Genesis. Oh, God, are you? And this is more words from Ted Welford. Um, so this is a very thorough feature on uh, Ted's visit to South Korea, courtesy of Genesis, of course. But he went to go and see um, what Genesis's plans are for the UK and how they kind of operate in South Korea. And they operate very differently in South Korea. Genesis, for those of you listening who uh, have forgotten what Genesis is, is the posh Hyundai who are gradually coming to the UK and setting up centres and shopping centres, but have said they're going to have a dealer network um, in the next few months and years. So Genesis is coming, and uh, we ought to take them seriously, is what I say. James disagrees. Um, and I'm sure time will prove him wrong. But anyway, very interesting yeah. article. It's it's worth having a, a look on the website, um, because I can't possibly cover all of the interesting points that are within it but they've got some very kind of unusual ways of doing things like this is a terrible example to pick out but for example they've uh this grand large showroom that they've set up called the genesis suji building um has sort of has three floors one one floor is just one car and there's just it's quite a, a stunning image actually of just this brown admittedly g90 saloon sat on the ground floor like it's an art gallery or something but they are showing it off beautifully and then there's all these things like uh instead of having usual paint samples with the little i don't know three inch wide bits of uh, plastic they've got actual car doors in each color just so you get a better idea of how the color looks on the on the door itself and therefore the car itself so interesting things like that i thought it was very interesting that they're headed up um by an Englishman called Graham Russell is the chief brand officer of Genesis Korea. Um, so, and he is formerly of Bentley, I believe. So they're hoovering up all this talent from around the posh automotive sectors. One of the interesting things is just how popular Genesis is in Korea. Ted said he just couldn't move for Genesis as soon as he stepped out of the airport. So I think there it's almost like a sort of... Um, well, more popular than Mercedes by the sounds of it. Yeah, but it doesn't mean it's going to translate here, does it? I mean, if, yeah. I, if I, I look at that picture which you've described as an art gallery and I can describe it as one thing, tax dodge. What it means, what it looks like, <laughs> what it looks like, what it looks like is that the Koreans have gone, we are making so much money at the moment. We really need to spend it on something to just reduce our corporation tax bill. What can we do? Well, I'll tell you what we could do. We could build a massive showroom. It's got three floors. And what we can do is put one car in it. That no. is a brilliant idea. Let's do that. Absolute bonkers. This the whole thing is absolutely bonkers. And I will not be proven wrong, John, because I put it on the record many times and I will do it again. Genesis will not be that successful. Oh, they will be. I think they will be. Because uh, have you driven a Genesis, James? I have, yeah. And it was bland. No. <laughs> I think they're very nice. And I yeah. think if you look at their offering, they are, uh, you know, they've invested quite a lot in, well, they've invested a lot in electric, but they've also invested in things like nice new diesel engines and nice new petrol engines. So they've got a nice broad spread. And my thinking on Genesis, if if you will, if yeah. I'm allowed, is 
It's just a matter of, like Kazoo, spending a lot of money on marketing and branding. I just, I honestly think, offering, and they just need to throw money at branding. I think what manufacturers seem to forget is that actually brand is so important to car buyers. Like the fact that Land Rover, I know we talked about last last week, a ditch in the Land Rover Land Rover brand is just a massive mistake because there's so many people out there who buy purely on the name that's on the front of the car. You know, they're People are snobs. They want a BMW. They want a Mercedes. They want an Audi. They don't want a Genesis. And it doesn't matter how much you you can push that brand. I mean, look how hard Lexus has had to work on building a luxury car brand for the, for, for a Japanese car maker. And arguably, they make brilliant cars that are very popular with, with, their, with their customers. They're still not getting the same sorts of numbers as, think- as the German brands. I think it's also an issue of timing. So Lexus came along in the what early nineties, late eighties, and have, they're now in a position where they're un- unfortunately the first people that bought Lexuses were mostly retirees, and I think they can't really shake off that image, can they? And nor do they necessarily want to. Whereas Genesis have appeared now, and they're in this kind of Korean cool uh wave as ted has put it in his article you know mm. i'm staring at my uh very fancy looking samsung telly right now and thinking well would i have bought a samsung telly 20 years ago i probably wouldn't have mm. but now mm. right john i'm gonna wait one more story in because that's, <laughs> all, that's, that's all i've got it gets us off genesis so <laughs> i'm very grateful for that and i'm gonna go with the news of uh, that actually made me feel a little bit sick this week and actually looking at the story now uh, makes me feel incredibly uncomfortable. Uh, and that is news. Again, is it? No, it's not, John. No, this is news that a car delivery driver found a snake in his car. And actually just saying that makes me feel sick. I am not a fan of snakes. I am actually petrified of them. And I will just go back to a story about uh, my childhood as the reason for why I was scared of snakes. Uh, and this is my mum picked me up from school when I was in... Um, I think it was junior school, lower lower end of junior school. And she said, James, I've got a really exciting present for you when we get home. It's really, really, really good news. You're going to be so excited. And what she'd done is been doing some gardening. Uh, and in the garden, she had found a slow worm and she'd put it in a bucket uh, and covered it up. And when I went into the garden thinking I was going to get a new bike or something, it was actually just a bloody slow worm, which I was so scared of. I ran into the house crying. And ever since then, I've been petrified of snakes. So thanks for that, mum. Uh, but this story just absolutely freaked me out. Um, I um, would would have probably crashed the car and run away if I'd found a corn snake in uh, in my Vauxhall insignia. Uh, but that's, this, this is exactly what happened. Um, you just wouldn't have got in it, though. That's the no, thing. I wouldn't have got in it in the first place. But no, you're right. Uh, this, so this is the delivery driver that was uh, dropping off a car that had been in for a service. Uh, he got to the services um, uh, at Melton Mowbray uh, and heard a uh, heard a hissing noise, found a snake uh, was dangling from the dashboard. Uh, and when he realised, the snake slivered behind the uh, the the trim in the car, and it took um, some some very clever people to take the car apart, got hold of the end of the t- snake's tail. Oh my god, it's really making my skin crawl! Um, and uh, pulled it out and returned it to an animal sanctuary. Sanctuary. If you are, I'm not as squeamish as I am. You can go onto the website and have a look at these pictures, uh, but they are very worrying and. Uh, disgusting oh dear so there you go snake news over what a traumatic 
story that was for you to recite. I mean, it was it was horrible. Um, but that's 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 all of mine. That's also all of mine. Um, so Dermot, are there any stories you think we've missed? Perhaps a hamster stuck in a Suzuki Ignis that we haven't got to yet. Um, no, I think um, that's uh, that, that, that. I'm still reeling from the the snake story. I think I'm I'm probably similar to you, James. That would be mm. that would be uh, yeah one of one of my recurring nightmares. Um, yeah. I'm just trying. I I can see you have a story about the high on Dionic named as the EV that loses consumers the most amongst yes. electric cars. That's intriguing. That's definitely intriguing. I'm not entirely sure what the. Uh, uh, what, how how they do that, but yeah, that's that would be the only one that sort of flagged that piqued my interest. Yeah, that was um, yeah, that was news from Choose My Car that listed the uh, what what these cars were sold for in twenty twenty. The value in uh, twenty twenty three, but also the way that they worked it out was they got a buy it now price from people like We Buy Any Car, which is obviously slightly different and obviously a lot lower than you probably get. Uh, and that's how they worked out these these depreciation. But the Hyundai Ionic, sixty seven percent depreciation using that buy it now figure. Quite considerable. Should say that's the original Ionic, not the Ionic Five or the exactly yes yes any of the fancier ones. Well, I'm glad uh, we didn't miss too much. No, no, I don't think we did. Um, with that in mind, Dermot, who do you think is the winner? I, I actually think the most important story might well be that uh, that water shortage story. Um, uh, I, I, I think is that uh, who's that? Is that you, John? That was me. I think that was me. That was James. So sorry to sorry to end your 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 run yes, of uh, hat trick, but uh, you know, I, I think that is really quite uh, quite profound, and uh, yeah, could, could could is is something that you know we we uh, have this sense of uh, it's so hard, isn't it, when you sit in a very rainy. UK to, to to think of the the kind of slightly more global aspect of this, but yeah, definitely, uh, definitely could be could be a really important story. Um, and as you say, James, maybe it takes one to break the the break, break through to say this is a problem, and then everyone else mm. agrees. So yeah, I think that's probably the most profound story of this week. I think well, thank you very much. I will accept the win. Thank you very much because it's about time I have one. <laughs> Lovely. Well, that's good because it means next week I get a little break uh, in between saying a lot of words. Oh, that's true, yeah. So that's just true. keep talking after my intro. So that's nice. Well, on that bombshell, um, all that's left for me to say is thank you to Dermot for judging today. It's been great to have you on, and uh, I do hope we've come back. Thanks for having me. Yeah, nice to see you, Dermot. Thank you. Anytime. Thanks. And thank you as well to James for telling us yet another childhood trauma story. <laughs> Um, more There's lots of them, lots of them. <laughs> and thank you for listening we'll be back next week with another episode make sure to subscribe so you can be notified when that goes live if you're listening on Spotify don't forget you can swipe up now and vote on who you think won if you want to check out the stories we've mentioned today you can click the links in the show notes below or head to cardigamagazine.co.uk thanks again and until next time goodbye <laughs>